A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Scoopy Radio. The area code on the plane, on the train. Everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher app, or visit ScoopyRadio.com. And on the line right now is a guy who uh, knows the NBA just a little bit. It's none other than Bleach Reports or Rick Buecher. What's going on, sir? Nada. Just waiting for the, uh, the final, the regular season to wind down and get going and find out who's real and who's not real. Because sometimes it's kind of hard to tell during the regular season. <laughs> so who's real? Tell me who's real. Uh, good question. I believe that the Toronto Raptors are for real. Uh, I believe, but you know what? I'd probably stop right there. <laughs> That's the only team. I think that the Boston Celtics can be real. Uh, I'm not buying the Denver Nuggets. I'm not buying the Milwaukee Bucks. And I don't believe that the Golden State Warriors are just playing the way they're playing because they're bored. I think you're seeing the reflection of the grind over all these years, a very thin bench, a DeMarcus Cousins who is not having the impact that everybody anticipated because he's an all-star. But beyond that, that's why I can't wait to get to the to the playoffs because I want to see is this Houston team somehow different from the one that we saw last year? Uh, uh, can Boston find their way? Um, Toronto's the only team that from beginning to end to me has been consistent where I haven't scratched my head at times and said uh, there's something wrong. But, you know, I, I don't know if I can believe in everything that they're doing. Uh, so that's the one team. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win it, but if you ask me is there a team that I can see in their conference final? Uh, the Toronto Raptors is probably the team and the only team that I can say with assurance that I expect to see there. Scoopy Radio on the line with Rick Buecher of SiriusXM Radio as well as BleacherReport.com, former senior writer at ESPN the Magazine and columnist for ESPN.com, talking NBA. And you said that you don't buy the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. I do. Why don't you? Because I um, 
I'm just not convinced that Giannis, while anybody wants to say that he's the best talent in the league, I still think that he's figuring out how to make the most of what he has around him. And Mm -hmm. if it's not Giannis as your go-to guy at the end of the game, and to me, it's one of the one of the, the biggest elements. You know, they they can overwhelm teams with their uh, obviously their three point shooting, and Giannis can overwhelm teams uh, just by his sheer uh, natural ability. But when you get into a postseason and you can game plan, and you can now make you can you can you can make Giannis consistently play in the crowd, and you can make him a decision maker all of the time. Uh, to me, that's still his weakness. How does he blend what he's capable of doing and getting his teammates involved and getting in, making all the right decisions, finding the right teammate at the right time? Uh, I, I don't. I, I would hope, I would expect that they would get out of the first round, something that mm-hmm. they haven't been able to do. But the idea of them coming out of the East, I just, I don't know that he's quite ready for that. Uh, and ultimately, it, it ends up weighing on your best player as to where you're going to go. And if it's not, if Giannis isn't your go-to guy, while Chris Middleton has been a great store, is he the guy? Is he the guy who's going to get you a bucket with the game on the line, a playoff game or a playoff series on the line? That's the missing element that I see with the Bucks, and it becomes a very important one when you get to the postseason. Now, something you said that I definitely think is uh, plausible, you talked about the Golden State Warriors, and as I'm watching them, <clears throat> they seem like the 98 Bulls, like towards the end. Like it feels like a breakup period. Do you see it that way? Uh, I'm sorry, you were saying the Golden State Warriors feel that way? Yeah, they remind me of the 98 Bulls, like right before yeah. everybody left. Do you feel that, do you see any similarity there? Yeah, I mean, certainly there are some, uh, there's some hints of that. You know, Kevin Durant and whether he's going to stay or not uh, is is a big question. They have some pieces that are just aging out in Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala, which is why their bench isn't what it's been in the past. I don't really, I don't expect Clay Thompson to be going anywhere. I, you know, the fact that they're going out and, and they're interested in signing Andrew Bogut to me is the biggest indicator that DeMarcus Cousins has not been what they had hoped he would be. And so the idea of bringing DeMarcus back, even if he was willing to come back $5.8 million, uh, is that a substitute? Draymond Green is not the same physically. And it, to me, he may be one of the most invaluable pieces that they have because of what he does defensively. He's not an A-plus or hasn't been an A-plus defender uh, for the better part of this year. So, yeah, I, I do think there is, there, there is that feeling. Now, with that whole team, that was predestined. They knew at the beginning of the year they weren't coming back. I don't know that these guys are convinced that the entire band is going to be broken up. I don't think Steve Kerr's going anywhere. I don't think Steph's going anywhere. I don't think Clay's going anywhere. Uh, the rest of them, though, I mean, there there are reasonable questions as to what this team is going to look like this year. And and part of that too is much like the Bulls is that. When you've been together this long, I mean, it's like a marriage, it's like anything. You know, you get crowd. It's like a band. Bands just break up. No matter how much success they have, at some point, people 
just get a little sick and tired of each other and need to get away. And so, you know, whether that some of that is informing the feel that we get from them right now, uh, I, I, I give that some creep. But yeah, I think that uh, on some level, that's uh, that's not a bad comparison. Scoopy Radio. Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, ScoopyRadio.com on the line with Rick Buecher. You talked about the Warriors. <clears throat> you said that you didn't believe Clay was going anywhere. Her isn't going anywhere. And you uh, wrote a piece uh, and discussed it with Kevin Durant. Um, I want to give it its full credence because people can take quote and run with it. I think that your article yep. was a case study in, in aggregation. The toxic environment comment uh, and mm-hmm. quote. Kevin Durant said there's so much hype. Uh, so much hype comes from being around LeBron from other people. He has so many fanboys in the NBA, even the beat writers just going on him, over him. Excuse me. I'm like, we're playing basketball here, and it's not even about basketball at certain points. So I get why anyone wouldn't want to be in that environment because it's toxic, especially when the attention is bullshit attention, fluff. It's not LeBron's fault at all. It's just the fact you have so many groupies in the media that love to hang on every word. Just get out of the way and let us play basketball. My question to you is, when Kevin Durant said that, your first instinct mm-hmm. or thought was? Uh, he's not going to L.A. <laughs> <Be radio. laughs> okay. <laughs> that was my first thought. I also, I, I thought, you know what, there's a very good chance these people are going to jump on these quotes and they're not, and they're going to ignore the line, it's not LeBron's fault at all. Hmm. Uh, maybe the, maybe the third fault, uh, or the, the third thought, excuse me, it was that, uh, that, that KD, for all that is around LeBron, that he really would like, can we just measure us? Would you just measure us by basketball as, as basketball players right now? Because I think in his heart of hearts, KD feels as if if we were measured just as basketball players right now, uh, I I would be on top, and mm-hmm. or or maybe maybe not on top, but I, that's how I'd like it to be. Like let's not get to all of the extraneous stuff in terms of uh, social issues and you know what the latest the president is doing and. Not that he doesn't, that he disagrees with any of LeBron's stances, or that he doesn't have opinions uh, himself uh, when it comes to causes, but that everything around LeBron becomes inflated. And I, I tend to agree with him. I don't, I don't need LeBron's opinion on everything that happens under the sun. It's not necessarily of value to me. And yet, I also know that whatever LeBron has to say is going to generate clicks, is going to generate interest. And so the media, to a certain respect, is trying to cater to the audience that wants that. I just, in covering the league, I do get a little, I, I, I have, I find myself rolling my eyes at times with the, like the questions that are asked of LeBron. Like he's a, you know, he's Andrew Young. Like, he's, he's some former, you know, political figure, ambassador. Um, I mean, he's done a tremendous amount, but I, I don't know if what the value is to ask him about something that he necessarily doesn't necessarily or that 
isn't isn't well versed on on the history of just because he's LeBron James. I, that that to me is seems to be like you're just exploiting you're exploiting him and you're explo- exploiting the attention that he garners. It came with the Cardi B effect um, when <laughs> yeah when. When when uh, there were some things going on recently in government, particularly with the wall and President Trump and stuff, Cardi B sealed it off on social media and she got attention. I, I think that in today's day and age, um, I think celebrities want to have an opinion and, and weigh in on something. Yep. And I think that, that yeah. that's a byproduct. No, I, there's there's no doubt about it. But I, so. You know, when we talk about the media and we talk about where we talk about where we were, where we are. You know, there was a time when we had uh, newspapers and we had what was known as mainstream media. There was a checks and balances. There was a, a process in terms of anything that would be put out into the public for public consumption, and uh, there would be there were writers and reporters, and they would go out and get information, and it would be filtered through editors and there would be some thought and time that went into what should be uh, put out into the public for consumption. And now there are no such rails. There are no guideposts. And as a result, everything gets put out there and people are consuming it. And there's still the, I think the old idea that if it's out there, then it has value. Then it has an it has significance. There's, I, I should give it meaning. It means something. I just think there's plenty of stuff out there that's not. And so, as consumers of news, I think we all have to become disciplined in a way that we weren't previously. But I also believe that the media really hurts itself in terms of if we're going to put everything out there, and that. That goes for entertainers and anybody who's putting opinions out. Like, you can put a thousand opinions out there. We can put an opinion out there, but if it's not informed, if it's not notable, if it's not, you know, thought out, if it doesn't have value, then it just, it, it thickens the soup that people are consuming and I believe kind of confuses the issue. And I'm not grudging anybody to sure. have a, a platform or the ability to speak out and give their thoughts, but I think it is important that you know that, that that because there aren't any guidelines now, there aren't there are no checks and balances. If you put anything out there, we want to put out there uh, that it's incumbent upon us to be disciplined about that. Whether you're an entertainer with a platform or you are part of the media and and you're and, and you're utilizing a platform of whoever you work for or a platform you've created yourself, that we all have a responsibility in, in what's the content that we're putting out there. Is it really worthy or is it, are we just putting it out there, hoping to grab some clicks, hoping to get some attention, uh, and then, you know, potentially hoping to gain some revenue off of that. I think that's where, People begin to distrust the media and begin to trust. Just like then we get to this point where, okay, well, what what's the truth and what's fake news? What's real? What's not real? People begin to to not believe anything because or not trust whatever it is that's being put out there. And I think that's a very dangerous place for us to be. 
here's my follow-up to that. <clears throat> you do the interview with Kevin Durant. Um, he talks about stuff, uh, you know, relating to who plays with whom. And, and by the way, for those who are listening, uh, Rick wrote a piece in, in Bleacher Report on December 5th, 2018, titled, Why Doesn't Anyone Want to Play with LeBron Anymore? And there was a quote mm-hmm. uh, with Kevin Durant uh, where he talked about uh, Kyle Korver and other people. He said, if you're Kyle Korver, then yeah. it makes sense. Kyle Korver uh, in Atlanta was the bulk of the offense he wrote. He said, if you're a younger player like Kawhi, trying to pair with pair him with LeBron James doesn't really make sense. Kawhi enjoys having the ball in his hands. When you wrote this piece, were you displeased mm-hmm. with the way that aggregators phrased Kevin Durant's line of questioning? Oh, or your yeah, line of questioning I mean, with KD? Very much so. Because you, you had to take what he said in totality to fully understand or appreciate. And I, you know, I mean, I knew things were going to be picked off and, you know, the toxic statement. I think if he, if he, you know, had it over to do over again, he might've used, if he had said it's tiresome, it wouldn't have had nearly the same impact. And I think in some ways that's what he was looking for. Uh, It's annoying. It's tiresome. He used toxic and everybody jumped on that. And, 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 insinuated that it's LeBron that creates that toxic atmosphere. I think LeBron's fame uh, and celebrity create an atmosphere where, quite honestly, I mean, I I see it all the time. Again, I would go back to, like, people breathlessly asking, you know, LeBron about questions outside the realm of basketball that – there's no reason to believe that LeBron is an expert on those things or that his view sheds light on the sub on, on the issue, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and so that, if that being KD's complaint, I, I, I understand. I mean, look, honestly, I don't even like the headline because uh, it, the story in totality, it's not that no one wants to play with LeBron. Is that the free agents, superstar free agents that uh, are or should be available this summer? Uh, there are reasons why playing with LeBron is not the be all and end all that everybody thinks. Now, guys like Tyson Chandler, who's quoted in it, Trevor Ariza, who's quoted in it, you know, quality role players, like they talk about, yeah, absolutely, want to play with him. You know, go to L.A. And and that those are the kind of guys that have benefited greatly from playing with LeBron. But if you're talking about Kawhi Leonard and Kevin Durant, uh, players of of that caliber, they see themselves as peers. Paul George see themselves as peers of of LeBron. They see themselves competing with him, and they have seen with Kevin Love and Chris Bosh that if you are a star. You're competing for space with LeBron. And again, not necessarily LeBron's fault. Just he takes up all the oxygen in the room. He he naturally is the number one on a team. And so you go in, if you're Kevin Durant, you're Paul George, or Kawhi Leonard, you go in knowing I am going to be viewed as number two here. Well, if you're younger and ambitious and you don't see yourself as being, you know, riding LeBron's coattails, you see yourself as saying, hey, I want to prove that I can compete with him and beat him. You're going to think twice about wanting to go join him, join up with him, knowing how you are going to be perceived and 
quite possibly having to change the way you play. And then throw on top of it that we're talking about guys like Kawhi Leonard and Steph Durant, who essentially play the same position. I mean, they're, they're point forward. They're guys who used, are used to having the ball in their hand. Mm-hmm. What, do I want to sign up for playing with LeBron and then have to accommodate my game to his? No. You know what? Maybe I'd rather go someplace and say, I'm the straw that stirs the drink, and let me see if I can do it better than LeBron does with his crew. I hear you, Reggie Jackson. So I was on the phone with a manager of a, of a, of a prominent rapper uh, before I called you, and I was talking to them about how people don't, don't I don't think, really realize how significant or impactful both the rapper Tupac was for culture and how Allen mm-hmm. Iverson was for today's ball player. Hmm. That being said, I feel like the Miami Heat were a case study on people deferring. My question to you is, do you think that Dwayne Wade's time with Shaq made it palatable for LeBron to come in into Miami and be number one? Scoop B Radio. I don't know. I think it's I think it was his friendship and relationship with Dwayne Wade and the time at which he went there. Because when LeBron first went there, it was still Dwayne Wade's team. Mm-hmm. The first run that they made, it was still Dwayne Wade's team. And they fell just short. And Wade knew where he was, and he knew what LeBron was capable of, and basically thrust upon him and said, I need you to be number one. I want you to be number one. I don't know that that would have happened with anybody else at any other time. Hmm. Uh, Wade was at, they had that friendship and Wade was at the point where he wanted to, like he still wanted to win rings. And, but he knew that it, my chances of winning another ring are better if LeBron takes a bigger role. Uh, and so he, he made room for that. And ultimately, you know, that, that to me is, I, I'll say this, you know, when it comes to just his, LeBron going to Miami uh, and initially going to Miami, then going back to Cleveland. But whatever you think of what he's done on the court, his greatest lasting impact will be the one that he made in uh, encouraging and emboldening players to take control of their own uh, destinies and careers to say, I'm going to play where I want to play and I'm going to use my leverage and influence to even uh, determine how teams shape uh, the team that's going to be around me. And, uh, and now, now it's, now it's a, you know, now we take it for granted. Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, Paul George, guys, guys are that the whole, you know, you get more money if you stay with your your current team. The money has gotten to the point where, and the value of playing with who they want to play with, where they want to play, that has trumped what uh, the league was trying to put in place. And LeBron is the one who started all of that. With Wade leaving that season then, uh, some could consider LeBron, I guess, the the new normal of the alpha male. Do you see an instance Mm -hmm. with this NBA season coming to an end and the free agency situation for 2019 coming in July. LeBron, could you see LeBron taking a Wade role 
where he's deferring to other players. You know, you wrote this article, I think it was thought-provoking, but he's going to have to at some point kind of uh, do the same thing Wade did for him. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting idea. and we, You know, we may be at the, uh, at the precipice of that. The real do I, could I see him doing it? Yes, I I I really do. Um, can someone else envision that being the case? And from a from another standpoint, would we, as the public and the media, would we accept that? Hmm. Like from a, from from a, from a like a just the perspective, the profile, the if if he took a back. Would we accept that from LeBron James in terms of would, would it would it be discounted uh, if he ended up doing that? And that may actually be the great challenge that he has uh, this summer is is really convincing someone <laughs> that he is willing to do that because the game. I mean, for all these years, wherever he is. The game and the and the system and the way a team plays, it's decided by LeBron James. Would when we say would he cater to someone else, it really comes down to would he sacrifice his game? Would he play a different way? Would he you know play without the ball in his hands? And you can even raise the question: Can he like what to what level would he be affected if he didn't have the ball in his hands? Uh. You're gonna to have to have a really special player. I mean, some, because even at this stage, with the way he's playing and where he is, his overall ability—who are you going to get where you could defend it? Look, Wade with LeBron, and where Wade was, it was look, LeBron's coming. LeBron, LeBron's got more in the tank. Uh, it was clear that that was the right decision. If KD comes down there. LeBron playing off of KD, let's say just just for argument's sake, or Kawhi, would you look at them as the playmakers that would result in LeBron playing off the ball? I don't, I don't, I don't know that even now I would say that KD or Kawhi Leonard are capable of being better playmakers than LeBron. And Anthony Davis would fit, but. He's still got a year left on his contract at the end of the season. Yeah, and and what and and what is he really like? I'm not blown away. If LeBron and AD get together, I that doesn't scare me. One because if you're talking about playing for titles, you need a lot more than that. So if you're going to get him in the short term, if you're going to get him for next year, it means you're going to have to give up some of the assets, some of the players, some of the talent you have right now. Okay, that talent isn't all that great, but even so, how how are you going to replace it? Where are you going to get the replacement pieces? They they went to the you know leftover bin. No offense to Michael Beasley and Lance Stevenson mm-hmm. uh, and Rajon Rondo, but you know they they were scuffling for quality veteran this year. What you know what is to say that they're going to get better quality next year? And as we know, if you're talking about playing for championships, it's not just having, you know, that that core, that that quality core. I've seen plenty of teams. I mean, 
Philadelphia 76ers. You look at their their core, you say it's pretty their first two, three players pretty damn good. Yeah. They didn't get out of the second round. Right? Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, Anthony Davis alone. And then the other part is like what's what they deep giving. You put LeBron and Kyrie back together, now I'm paying attention. If Kyrie gives you something that like allows LeBron to be a facilitator and Kyrie can close games. Anthony Davis isn't a closer. He's he's end the game this year even. I, I mean, no. Drew Holiday is the guy. I mean, it's literally there's been times I'm watching the Pelicans, and I'm and, and now when I'm like, is, is where's AD? Like, well, he's not there. He's on the bench in the fourth quarter. But there have mm-hmm. been times earlier in the season where he was on the floor, and I had to I had to look I had to find him because the action and the attention was not on him. It was Drew Holiday getting things done. He was he was the driving force. And so that's I think that's the great conundrum conundrum that the Lakers have is especially as it looks like they're not even good enough to make the playoffs this year. Like, okay, so that to me hurts you and you're selling A B or anybody else. Like the difference between saying I'm I'm joining a playoff team, even if it's an eight seed. And now I can bump us up to now I, I got to join them just so we are assured of getting in the playoffs. Uh, to me, that's a significant difference. Scoopy Radio on the line with Rick Buecher, NBA insider, writer at Bleacher Report, senior writer at Bleacher Report, talking all things NBA. We talk about uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, the guy with the laugh that everybody uses in memes now. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, as you said, has been consistent. Do you see a scenario, mm-hmm. first and foremost, if the Toronto Raptors were to make the uh, NBA Finals, they'd be the first non-U.S. team uh, to appear in the NBA Finals. Toronto is our Canada is our neighbors to North, North America. But let's say hypothetically the Raptors win the NBA Finals. Do you see a situation uh-huh. where he'd still leave? Yes. Yes. Why? Now. I think certainly, uh, simply because I believe it, it, well, it depends on where he's going and what they're offering. Okay. If he's looking at the Clippers, and I would think that that, I mean, if, if he leaves, my expectation is he leaves that going. He's looking at Steve Ballmer and he's looking at a team that from the get go will be built around him. And he's going to be where he wants to be, and he is going to be the centerpiece. As much as Toronto has catered to him, it it's a little bit again, it's like the uniqueness of LeBron going to Dwayne Wade and joining Dwayne Wade in Miami. It was Dwayne Wade's team, and LeBron on some level was okay with that until Dwayne was willing to say, LeBron, I want it to be your team. Kyle Lowry, from everything that I've heard, not excited that the Toronto Raptors are catering to Kawhi Leonard to the level that they are. Now, I don't know whether they've gotten past that, but I know at one point it was, that that was a little bit of a sticking point. And is Kawhi, like that relationship between Kawhi and Kyle, I haven't been around them in person for a while. So 
I can't honestly tell you where their relationship is, if it's evolved. Uh, but, you know, there was the, 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 the friendship between Wade and LeBron had a huge influence, just like the friendship that evolved. And I, maybe this is an indication that something could happen with Kyle and, and Kawhi uh, developing an understanding. Although they don't strike me as being really the same kind of guy. But we saw Russ Westbrook and Paul George, you know, guys from L.A., uh, guys that came to appreciate appreciate each other, guys that developed a friendship over last season that ultimately made Paul George more than comfortable staying in Oklahoma City and continue to play with Russ. That relationship had as much to do with anything else in Paul George's decision. Could that happen with Kawhi and, and Kyle? It could, but, you know, from what I know from early on, it didn't start that way. And so I just think that, you know, Kawhi's looking at this and saying, I want a ring in San Antonio. I went through that. Uh, a little bit like KD with the, you know, with the Warriors. He goes to Toronto and he gets to the NBA Finals. Uh, okay, but. Now, what I really want to do is I want to be at the heart of a team and I want to see it built and, and raised up around me. That's what I want to do before my NBA career is over. He certainly got a better chance of doing that with the Clippers than he would in Toronto. Even with the idea that, okay, so they get to the finals, you look around, you got young Pop, Pascal, Siakam, uh, and uh, you look at the, the various pieces that they have and what the Raptors have been willing to commit to make it happen. And you could say, man, I could be, I could be LeBron for the, like the next five years. I could be in the NBA finals on a perennial basis. I think that's some of what has KD intrigued with New York. The, the, the bar to cross is not that high. I think anybody who sees themselves as LeBron like looks at the Eastern conference and says, man, he, he did it for, what, seven, seven, eight years in a row? Like, I'm in the right place at the right time? Who's to say I couldn't do the same thing in Eastern Conference? Kyrie Irving is a native of West Orange, New Jersey. Grew up watching the Nets when they were in New Jersey. Has told me years past that Jason Kidd is a guy that he enjoyed watching. There's no ball chance in heaven uh, that you can <laughs> see him joining the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I don't. I just, I don't. If, if, if Tyree is kind of creased about the young guys on the Boston Celtics, young guys who went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, and questions how whole, that whole dynamic works, I don't see what the appeal is for him to go to Brooklyn, which is lesser talent. I mean, I think they're maximizing what they have, pressing that they're doing what they're doing. But I see far more big picture potential with Boston. And the other thing that people seem to overlook is that guys by and large don't want to go home. Because when you go home, everybody expects you from your from kindergarten on that you're gonna take care of them mm-hmm. and you're gonna get some tickets and you're gonna show up for their events and when it's a plane ride away, it's a lot easier to keep everybody at bay 
mm-hmm. and not complicate your life. Or even if you're willing to do all that, now you, you just put a whole other thing on your plate. So I've, I know as many guys who have said, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, I love where I'm from and I love going home in the summer, but being there year round, playing there, man, that's a weight that I do not want to carry. Kevin Durant wouldn't be a plane ride. Well, he'd be an Amtrak ride away going to the Knicks. Uh, many would be fleeing from Sea Pleasant, uh, Maryland by way of Washington, D.C. Um, many people say that the relationships that he has with Royal Ivy, uh, going back to the Texas days, going back to him being Royal Ivy's uh, child's godfather and being in Royal Ivy's wedding this summer, uh, as well as, you know, all those other factors will be a determinant factor or at least the Knicks recruiting him. Mm-hmm. How how much do you see the Knicks being a realistic possibility for Kevin Durant next season? This is going to be radio. Oh, I think they're I think they're I think they're the top contender. If he leaves Golden State, I would expect that he goes to New York for a variety of reasons. Um, not some some that you mentioned. Scott Perry was uh, right hand man to Sam Presti in Oklahoma City Thunder for a long time. He and Katie know each other well. Uh, Caden's people and Scott know each other very well. Uh, his uh, business manager uh, is from New York and is a huge uh, Knicks fan. Um, the idea that he would would love to work for the Knicks and have some role and that that could be a, a consideration, I think all of that has some some uh, legitimacy to it. And so I like I look at all of that. I look at I look at what AD's business aspirations are and what New York could afford, and the fact that his business manager—that's where he's from—and he knows the landscape. Uh, and that he, if he goes to—I mean, just imagine—he's he's been a two-time NBA uh, Finals MVP. He's won a couple of rings, and yet, and I was at the at the, the Celtics. Warriors game, and I've been around that team since he got here, he will never, ever, ever, ever be embraced the way Steph Curry is. Or, or quite honestly, the way Clay Thompson is. Or even Draymond Green. No matter what KD does as a player, he will not find the same place, uh, the core of, of the heart of Warriors fans. Because he didn't come up through the tough times there, and uh, he's just—he's for some, you know, they love having him there, but he ain't their guy because he's not an original. So, and KD, I am sure, feels that, understands that. So imagine uh, he's got his rings. He goes to New York. If he takes the Knicks, if he gets the Knicks to the finals, just one, he will be beloved in New York like like Patrick Ewing. And because because it's been so because Knicks fans are so hungry for a guy who's capable of doing but I mean, how long has it been? How long have they been hanging? And you know, I'm sure with KD and KD's mind, it's like I'm not just going to the finals. You know, 
I, I win a ring. He wins a ring in New York. He goes to New York and he wins one ring. He is, I mean, let's be honest. Isn't it, isn't it the closest thing you could find to LeBron going back to Cleveland and winning a ring? Yeah, I think when you look at LeBron and his situation, you look at the Cavs' first run. They went to the finals in 2007, but they didn't have the Cavs' or the, 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 the foresight to kind of build him, equip him with certain, certain pieces. He goes to Miami. He's with those pieces. They lose the first year they went to. Um, yep. He returns back to Cleveland. His return to his return back to Cleveland in 2014 to me mirrors going to LA with young talent. The difference is you got Kyrie, who is a young stud that knows his role. You got Tristan. You got uh, Deion Waiters. You have all these guys that have the, the the potential. LA is similar, but the difference is they're not winning and they're not producing because they still depend mightily on LeBron. When you look at the situation with LeBron returning to Cleveland, the, the, the allure of returning to Cleveland is what, you know, he, he got them a championship. Kate, I think, I think him returning to OKC would be more similar, though, than, than LeBron, but I don't think that would happen because he and West, Westbrook needs his own team and KD needs his own team. They yeah. Clash. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't imagine, I can't imagine a scenario in which KD goes back to Oklahoma City. And, 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 yeah, as far as that's where he started, I mean, honestly, for KD, it's fine. He started. That's where he started. But he was going to go back home. That was the birthplace of his NBA career. Uh, but that said, you know, OKC, that's not an option. So what's the next best option? And I think you're, you're undervaluing the fact that, yes, LeBron went back to Cleveland, and yes, there was some young quality talent. What there wasn't there, they had a, a you know a number one pick to trade Kevin Love. Uh, but the the other part is LeBron was in a different place in his career mm-hmm. when he went back there. He was still in his absolute prime, and he was in the Eastern Conference. Yes, and I don't discount. I don't discount, you know, all the runs that he made there. But let's be honest. I mean, even even last year, they went through, like, to get there, they went up against a Indiana team where we were seeing, seeing Vic Oladipo as a star for the first time. And what was the mm-hmm. night between Vic Oladipo and Miles Turner? And they went seven games. Mm-hmm. LeBron got out of uh, Toronto, who, who, who he's owned. Like, okay, so you, you, you go through that one. You got, you have that advantage. It's LeBron. Uh, and then you go up against Boston that is relying on a rookie and Jason Tatum to be their go-to guy in, in the conference final. Mm-hmm. And they go seven games and he gets there. So I just can't help but feel as if, uh, that that being in the conference final creates a path that is one very enticing, but ultimately people aren't going to be hypercritical or examine that path. They're just going to say, "Oh wow, KD got KD got the Knicks to the to the to the NBA finals so for the, the first the, time since the nineties. 
the rhetoric of KD being sensitive and not being able to handle the New York media then. Do you buy that or do you think he's just going to have to deal with that? Um, yeah, I, you know what? I, I For anybody who says he's not going to be able to handle it, I say yeah because like he wants to come back at everybody and there's just way too many people. There's going to be way too much fodder for him to come back. Gonna be, I would hope that he would realize it's a waste of time. Um, I don't think the New York media is as big and bad as people make it out to be. I, I think there's a natural. <laughs> oh, what's that? I said I agree. I'm in it. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I, I don't. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of back and forth. I think there's a lot of, you know, Scooby hair on radio. fire reaction to stuff. But when it comes to really. I don't know. I I, I, I think the, I think the battle with the New York media has less to do with their, you know, what they have to say about um, any individual as much as it has to do with what they're willing to do to go back and forth to create a conflict. And it's really kind of media versus media, right? Hmm. I think that to me is where it gets like I just watched, you know, for years, like Frank Osola and Mark Furman on the on the on the Knicks. Like you knew that whatever position one of them took, the other one, by virtue of the comp, was going to take the other. They were gonna mine a different source, they were gonna take a different side of the coin, and then it was gonna be the savagery of <laughs> I'm killing your guy, you're killing my guy. It was just it's so predictable. It has nothing to do with the actual news of what's going on. It's creating and fomenting this uh, this conflict within the media, in my mind. Um, and I believe that that happens, and I think that that happens on on a variety of levels. And and so, but I I, I do believe that there's a way for uh, pro athletes in New York. To uh, to circumvent that. Now that's the real question: Is KD willing to circumvent that? Because by and large, yeah, you're you know you you're in New York, you're walking down the street, yeah, people, you've got a lot of people with opinions in New York. There's no doubt about that. But when you're walking down the street in New York, when I've walked down the street in New York, the number of people that are more likely to say, "Hey," Love you, KD. Then, uh, KD, you're you're a jackass. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry, New Yorkers. New Yorkers. Uh, I, I I haven't seen enough of you that that have the balls to do that. I've seen far more of you that might say it somewhere else or say it on on uh, on social media. I've I've been far more often. I've seen people that get starry eyed when they see somebody that they recognize, even if they don't think they're doing everything they should be for their team. You can correct me if I'm wrong, by the way. You've got more experience with that than I do. Listen, I I am a fan of hip-hop. And if you look at Drake and Meek Mills' beef back in 2015, Mm -hmm. uh, there was a line in in a song with Drake where he said, uh, Twitter fingers turn to trigger fingers. Mm-hmm. Meaning, people are soft. People will say one thing on social media, and then when they see you in public, it's something else. I'm sure you can relate to yep. this being on Twitter, where they can say Rick Buker sucks, 
and then you reply, yep. and they're like, oh, shit, Rick replied. Yeah. I'm a fan yeah. of your work. Yeah. Especially if I especially if I go, hey, thanks for sharing your thoughts. Like, if I don't stagger <laughs> them back, then it's like, oh, man, big fan. I'm like, yeah, you just told me you wanted my my dog to get run over. Like, <laughs> how's that being a big fan? Like, and then you just realize people are, I think there's just a lot of people out there that want to be recognized. And they think yeah. that, you know, by, by being, you know, uh, being mean to somebody that you're going to, you're going to elicit a reaction and they don't care whether, what the reaction is. They just, they want to be recognized. I mean, I, I think it's why people go on the Jerry Springer show, you know, they don't care <laughs> that they look like, complete fools or you know that they're that, that people are laughing at them from their living room it's it's it, hey somebody i'm on tv somebody's recognized that i that i exist validation and, uh, is a drug yeah rick yeah. validation is a drug I, I you've been covering the, the nba since 92 93 one of the things that i've always admired about you um is your ability to consistently recreate yourself um, you've had podcasts, you've, you've written and a myriad of publications. What keeps you going? What keeps you young? And, and, and what young person is in your ear to keep you going? Um, that's a good question. Well, number one, my dad, who's still alive and is some 88 years old, uh, just stopped working and, and only because he had to, cause, uh, he, uh, he had a fall and and uh, he can't drive anymore. And but he's still like shoveling snow and cutting the grass and doing everything else my mom doesn't want him doing. But he worked in construction and he took me to work with him one day when I was 15, 16 years old. I was you know high school athlete. I thought I was in shape. I went with him for a half day and I was like you know what. I can't, I couldn't do this for a living. I got, I'm better get an education, man, because this is tough. It was <laughs> manual labor. And so I look at the job that I, I look at what he did and how long he did it and what I have to do and what I get to do, uh, doesn't feel like work to me. And then the second part is, um, you know, my, my friends, when I got married, they said they should have given my wife and I a scoreboard for our wedding gift. Uh, I just, I like to compete, you know, I, I like to see, I, I have just enough of an ego that I, I want to try to be as good as I can be. And I, I, even now, I don't consider myself a, a news, you know, by the breaking news, I kind of, I've recreated myself when it comes along those lines, but there's times where like I itch to get back in that game uh, just because I love to compete. And so I get to do what I get to do and I still have this hunger to try to be better tomorrow than I was today. And I'm kind of a curse to be honest with you, man. I, <laughs> but I, I don't know any other way to be. Before I let you go, uh, you reported uh, within the last couple of days that if Lakers were to, part ways with Luke Walton at seasons and uh, UCLA uh, would be some yeah. a, a school or a team of interest. How certain are you and why? Well, I just, I think there's some forces that want to see that, that want to see that happen. And I mentioned, you know, his dad, Bill, obviously being 
a, a legend, a UCLA, UCLA legend, and I've been told that he he wants that to ha- happen and has been whatever sort of leverage or influence he has in making it happen. I also have heard that Bob Myers, another UCLA alum, close friends with Luke, he wants to see that happen as well. And I think some of it is, like, everybody respects Luke as a coach, and especially those that are close to him and have worked with him, uh, and obviously his dad for a multitude of reasons. And they feel like he's getting, you know, a raw deal from from the Lakers. And that he deserves better. And I don't know whether the UCLA job is deserving of better, but, and maybe they see it as it'll give Luke a little more time to evolve as a, as a head coach. Cause somebody I've talked to, even if, you know, people close to him are saying, you know what? He's just done an unbelievable job. They think he's a good coach. I think he's been put in a difficult situation with, Young combination of young talent that's not ready to play at the level that LeBron is, and uh, uh, ready to meet those expectations, and then uh, you know uh, acquiring a guy like LeBron James who has expectations. That's 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 tough for any coach to to be able to meld all that. So you know whether it ultimately happens, there's there's especially at the collegiate level, there are a lot of forces at work. Uh, somebody had suggested that he would also, you know, if Arizona made a change, and obviously that's where he played, yeah. that uh, that they would, you know, they'd want to go after him. Or, but, you know, the, the other part I've heard is that Sean Miller, for all that he's done, you know, getting they're not looking to get rid of him. They, even if they, even if stuff came out and he had to take like a year's leave, they would rather do that than just kick Sean Miller to the curve. He's just, he's been way too successful there. So, um, and I haven't talked to Luke about this, you know, as far as his aspirations, how much if he, uh, if he bounces from the Lakers, wants to jump into something else, wants to jump into the, the college game. I don't know what his desires are, but so I tried to, as much as I could craft that tweet <laughs> in the right frame, which is, it would be there. There are people that are trying to create that opportunity for him should he have to or want to take advantage of it. Enough said. Rick Yuka, Scoopy Radio. When is your anniversary? I'm going to mail you a scoreboard. Okay. <laughs> uh, September 14th. I'm with it. I'm going to mail that to you. Sounds good. Brother, thank you so much for joining the podcast. You got it, Scoop. Yes, sir. Scoop B Radio. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.